Well, good morning, everyone. I, uh, I'm going to touch on just a, a few things that, that have kind of been on my heart of the Lord. Some of, some of these things I'm, I'm sharing with our youth. And so Zion and Noah should be quite familiar. <laughs> and, but you know, I'd like to start off by uh, reading an email. And this email is from a lady in Costa Rica that I've never met uh, before in person, but she ended up somehow finding the website and we've been in contact for several years now. And just by the, the caliber of her questions, I, I've, seen, I've seen her questions progress. And so I just want to read it real quick before I, before I start sharing. Uh, it says, brother, the fountain of life who is our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is, she had, she had sent me an email saying that they're, that right now Costa Rica was about a month behind on their rains. So they're rationing the water. The city, the city where she lives, they're, they're like rationing water where they're cutting, shutting off water in different segments because of the lack of rain. Of course, the following day after I responded, she said, we got the rain. <laughs> so that's kind of like the context of what she was saying or of what I'll read. Uh, brother, the fountain of life, who is our Lord Jesus Christ, will never run dry. The fountain will always be flowing with waters abundantly, clear and fresh waters, special for whoever wants to drink and satiate their thirst for righteousness, their thirst for hope, their thirst for peace, etc., their thirst for him. Because everything that is of him, in him we find it, and much more because we see him, the substance of all things. And she goes on to say, it's rather us that we do not want to drink of this fountain, perhaps because of tasting other contaminated fountains or industrialized, so to speak, with additives and preservatives that do not fulfill the purpose. And from the whole response of the email, that's what stuck out to me. Uh, drinking of other fountains, drawing from other sources that do not fulfill the purpose. So she goes on to say, brother, so we get spiritually dehydrated and dry up. So then we would be very affected. Uh, but you, you can, she goes, you deduce, uh, you can uh, reach a conclusion. You know the situation better than I. But, uh, <clears throat> and that's, that's the thing. What, what's, what's been on my heart for a while and what, I, what I'll share in just a little bit is basically the place and the purpose. And I like what she said there. She didn't say that the, the other sources that we can draw from are necessarily evil. They could actually be good. But here's the difference. They do not fulfill the purpose. And man has a purpose of their own. God has his purpose. And throughout the scripture, actually, if you just think about it, it kind of, you, you see the whole pattern. God has defined everything in the person of his son. Man, on the other hand, comes around and tries to redefine what God has already defined. And so with God, there is one purpose. There's one purpose for existing. There is one purpose, which we'll read in a second, for being where you are. There is one purpose for you doing what you're doing. There is one purpose for you being around the people that you're around. There's one purpose. But for man, he has a multiplicity of purposes. Well, this serves this, and then because that serves that, then this, then this, then this. But with God, it's always singular. He hasn't changed his mind. Uh, we try to say that he does, but he hasn't. He hasn't. 
He created the soul with one purpose, to receive his son, and upon receiving his son, to be filled with the light of the glory, or excuse me, the light of the knowledge, and that's the key, of the glory of God in the face of his son. First, there is reality. Then there is the knowledge of reality. That is a spiritual order that you find in the book of Genesis. Knowing that does not make me something. Knowing that does not make you something. But knowing that, believing that, and presenting it to the Holy Spirit, then the Spirit of God, who is our true teacher, can take that and use that which is true to serve purpose, to fulfill purpose. Kind of like the law. God presents through Moses what everyone calls the law. One of them, you would, you would say, uh, the Ten Commandments. And from that point, the statutes and all these things, the judgments, the law. And we would say, okay, it's the list of the do's and don'ts. But that's man's interpretation. That is man redefining what God has already defined in his son. God didn't give them, if you will, please, please do not get upset. <laughs> You're online listening. He did not give us a list of do's and don'ts and call it the law. God, through Moses, presented the gospel time and time and time again. One of the ways he presented it was through the Ten Commandments, a testimony of his son, because that testimony found in the law serves the purpose of God. That is exactly why God intended it. Jesus said to, I think it might have been the Pharisees, he said, you don't believe my words, and you don't believe, it's because you don't believe Moses. Had you believed Moses, you would believe me, because Moses wrote of me. He didn't write the list of do's and don'ts that you need to keep. He wrote of me. Now, the law, yes, it kept them, but it kept them as a testimony of the Son. A perfect law, a perfect testimony to serve a perfect purpose so that all the nations, all the world around would see Israel, who God declares, this is my son, even my firstborn. So they would see and be drawn to this son. Of course, that was in testimony. But having come to the testimony, the Spirit of God doesn't leave us there. But he continues to draw us to the actual person, and that's it. Where finally the place, the location, the thing, the everything at that point serves the purpose of God. And I just... I got an email from, from Scott uh, from New Creation, and it was actually a picture of when I was baptized there. I've been baptized three times. Baptized as an infant, of course, I had no clue what that meant. I don't even remember anything. Baptized after I was born again on Mother's Day, and that's the only reason why I remember the date, because I felt like I had to, I had to do it. And of course, baptized while I was attending Bible school, because at that point, I knew what the baptism meant. I knew what the Jordan meant. In testimony, I knew what it meant. In the light of the testimony, I knew what it meant. It was, for me, it was the Red Sea crossing. Remember, the waters parting, the Red Sea crossing, there's the reality. The crossing of the Jordan, the waters parted, the exact same thing happened, the waters parted. But see, with the Jordan, it wasn't reality at that moment. It was the knowledge of what had already taken place. That's why they entered the land. They couldn't enter the land without the knowledge of what had already taken place with the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Of course, I'm looking at the testimony when the children of Israel were in Egypt, the death, the death of the lamb. But see, here comes Moses once again presenting the gospel, and now he presents a lamb because God said, you will take a lamb. It has to be a perfect lamb, without spot, without blemish. You don't, you don't only have to believe the gospel, you have to receive the gospel, be obedient unto the gospel. But see, all these things that we, quote unquote, have to do are actually given us by God the ability to do. Because no one can hear the voice of the Son of the living God 
except God opened the ear to hear. And that's before you're born again. And so they were presented with the gospel. And those who believed, I mean, there were even a mixed multitude who believed. They weren't even of the quote-unquote Israelites. They believed also because also a mixed multitude came out. They believed, they received, and then their salvation, they ate the lamb, the Passover lamb. Their salvation was now in them. Once they walked through the door with the blood, ate the lamb, in God's mind, boom, translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. And then so he plays it out in testimony. There's the death. They go through the Red Sea. There is the burial. And all, everything, the son goes into burial. But not only that, everything that held him captive, everything of the world, everything of that known world, Egypt, was brought into the burial as well. And only the son came out in resurrection. And that's the order. Death, burial, resurrection. Three days. I mean, you know, summarized in three days. But you've got the death with the lamb, the burial, with the Red Sea, and then the resurrection. And so this is reality. This is reality. As God sees reality. All right? There's reality. But now you have the children of Israel who are still in the wilderness. And see, though reality has come the knowledge of reality must come as well. And so God, time and time again, presents to them a testimony of his son, a testimony of what he's already done, because the testimony is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The testimony is a light, but see, that light also serves the purpose of God. That light isn't the, the end all. No, no, that light serves a purpose. It's like John the Baptist He's a beautiful picture. If, if I could personify the voice of the testimony, I would say it's John the Baptist when he says, Behold the Lamb of God. I mean, this is what it's all about. This is the summation of the entirety of the Old Testament scriptures. It is John, and I love the order of it. John sees Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. Here we go. Who takes away the sin of the world. Sin has to be dealt with. New birth must come. Reality must come in the person of Christ. But then it goes on. He, it, it, I love it because that's like one verse, and then like a few verses later, it says, the next day, John sees Jesus, and he says now, behold, the Lamb of God. Now, apart from sin, the sin has already been taken care of. That issue of death in, uh, how did Paul say it? In death, death in sins, dead in your sins, you were once dead in your sins, that has been taken care of the moment of new birth. The moment the Spirit of God, through a miracle of God, turns our heart unto the Lord, the first time Christ appears in our soul. Reality has taken place. But then there is another day. And that day is when the Lord is seen apart from sin. Reality, the knowledge of reality. And so in every place, in every location, in every physical place, in every physical location, that is why God, well, I'll just read the verse if I can find it real quick. I know it's, uh, it's in Acts, <laughs> I got, here it is, Acts chapter 17, and this is Paul, I think speaking to the Greeks on Mars Hill, he says, Acts chapter 17, verse 26, and he made from one man, that would be Adam, every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. Now he's speaking to, he's speaking to the Greeks, he's speaking to the Gentiles, the ones who aren't born again. He's not speaking to the church. Having determined their appointed times, there you go, and the boundaries of their habitation, why we are where we are when we are there. That, and here's the purpose, that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him. And that word grope is basically like a blind man on his hands and knees feeling around to find something, find an object, whatever that object may be. But the, the, the what is it? The, I don't know the vocabulary, the, the English term for it, the visualization of it, of, of the word grope. I mean, literally on your hands and knees, feeling around to find something. 
that uh, if perhaps we might grope for him in that place. That, that's what the scripture says, for him. Not for this, not for that, for him. And not only just feeling around like aimlessly for no purpose, trying to find the Lord, but no, with purpose of actually finding him, discovering him. Though he is not far from each one of us, and then I love this because now he not only presents like the purpose of, for a person who's not born again, of being where they are, when they're there, why they're there, the purpose why they're there, but also here verse 28, for in him we live and move and exist and have our being. And so just like the culmination of all things over this past week and weekend is like, like with what brother, excuse me, what sister uh, Rita had written, you know, uh, drawing from other sources um, that are basically industrialized or just contaminated with something uh, made to taste better, flavorful, but that do not fulfill the purpose. And see, God and God alone has his purpose. And as I mentioned, I've, I was baptized three times. That, that picture brought memories back to, my, back to me of when I, during the time that I was at Bible school. And when I saw that picture, I was like, man, I was pretty young. I was probably not too much older than Noah. Well, probably a little older than Noah. Five years, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. But I was, I mean, I look at myself, I saw myself in that picture. I was like, wow, I was young. But what came to my mind was this. That time at that place served purpose. My time at Bible school served purpose. I came to the light of the testimony while I was there. Of course, at the time, I thought that was the end all. Because for a person who has walked in darkness, who has sat in darkness, when the light of the testimony begins to shine, it is like discovering a world you didn't even know existed. I'll go back a little further. And I know I've shared this with you all. Uh, I remember when I was in high school applying to different colleges, there was one particular college I wanted to go to, the University of North Texas. They rejected me. <laughs> <laughs> because they have about 300 guitarists that audition and only like 12 that make the cut. But, you know, I, got, I was like, okay, forget you guys. I'm, you know, you rejected me, so I'll go to this other college instead in Canyon. They're going to give me a scholarship, so I'll, I'll just go to them. A few weeks later, I get a preliminary acceptance letter from the University of North Texas. I say, forget the scholarship. I want to go where I want to go. Well, was that me, entirely, totally me, making those decisions? Was that me entirely changing the situation for me to be in a certain place at a certain time? No, it wasn't. It was the Lord. We read it. Acts 17, and he made from one man, Adam, every nation of mankind to live, here we go, on all the face of the earth. But not just a, hey, I made you go have a blast. Go for it. Uh, what is it? Live the life, whatever. The dream, live the dream. No, 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 no. That was all, it was with purpose. He created man with a purpose. Having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. Why you are where you are when you are there. Verse 27, that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him. First year in, at the University of North Texas, I had a blast. I loved it. It's, it was doing what I wanted to do. I was going for studying guitar. Hey, I loved it. I wanted to play guitar the rest of my life. Guitar, I will say, was uh, for me, for Jimmy, that was the reason why I existed. Music kept me together. It was, I could say, my fountain, my stay. It was my rock. It was my support. I didn't know it at the time, but that's really, excuse me, that's really what it was. I mean, it was my passion. The second year I was there, and see, the Lord knows us. He knows each one of us. 
knows us more than we know ourselves. It's like, he knows what we think we want. He knows what we think we like, but he knows that he created us with a true want, with, a true, with true desires, with true passions, and those are all only fulfilled in his son, the fountain of living waters. But we redefine that true, de that true desire and say, no, it's actually this over here that I want. Once again, with my example, me and music. The second year I, went, I was at North Texas, first semester, the Lord kind of used what, as I said, what I supposedly thought I liked. So he, he, he I mean, the whole first year, I got to uh, get witnessed to, people were witnessed to me, and I was like, yeah, I've been there, done that. I don't think so, you know. But the second year, first semester, this guy, whom the Lord sent, looks like Slash from Guns N' Roses, has the voice of, I think the guy's name is like I, Joe Perry from, from Journey. Is that it, Joe Perry? It's either Joe Perry or Steve Perry. Okay, that's, that's how you know how old I am. Anyway, so like this extremely tenor voice. And I was like, wow, in every rock band that I've been, we've, we've, we've never had a good singer. And this guy has the look, he's got the voice, and he plays keyboard. And I was like, yeah, we'll hang out. Well, after you know getting to meet him and hanging out for a while, guess what? He's a born-again Christian that starts talking to me about Jesus. Well, true. Yeah, I'll let you talk to me about Jesus. You're cool, right? And so God, by his spirit, opened the door to my heart. That first semester, I was born again. I received Christ. The second semester, I came back. I was baptized. And I never saw that brother again. But one thing that happened after I was born again is that what I thought was my passion wasn't there anymore. And I thought, oh, I'm getting burnout. It's burnout. It's just too much for me. It's the, the, the school. It's too hard. It's too intense. I'm getting, I'm, I can't handle it anymore. But the thing is, is that that passion, that, excuse me, that false passion, that false desire wasn't there anymore because the true object of affection was present in my soul. I just didn't know it. I ended up transferring to another school. They gave me a scholarship, easier school. I didn't last a semester. But I say all this to say, to say the following. Did I graduate from North Texas? No. But for me, North Texas served purpose. I found the Lord there, or shall I say, he found me. That's why I was there when I was there, to receive him. When I was at Bible school, that time, that season, I'll just say it's season, that place served purpose. The light of the testimony began to shine in my heart. And this place here has served purpose. It's like this, this is, if you, if you, I'm not saying I'm anything. No, no, no. You see, it, you see it with Abraham. This is the walk of faith. This is the walk of faith. Anywhere he went, anywhere he went, and see, anywhere he went in the land after the Lord had brought him to the land, because the Lord brought him there after he first appeared, anywhere he went in the land, that's all he did. He just kind of traveled, and guess what? He discovered the Lord. And then you read in, in, in Genesis, and the Lord appeared. Whoa, and then and Abraham walks over here, and the Lord appeared. Of course, he takes a left turn, and it winds up in Egypt. It's like the Lord doesn't appear in Egypt. God's, God's merciful providence gets him out of Egypt, and almost immediately it says, and the Lord appeared. Back on track again. And see, to me, I, I'm just seeing this everywhere in the Scriptures. To me, that's why the place the timing serves purpose. That's the purpose it has to serve. And if we don't discover that purpose and end up with a false purpose, a false well, a false source, then we'll just go dry all over again. And it's, you, I know you've heard it, you know, you, especially with, with the whole evangelism thing. It's like people present, oh, well, you know, they want to be a movie star, but after a movie star, you get bored. 
Well, yeah, it's true because you're seeking something to fulfill what can only be fulfilled in our hearts by a person, God's Son. Not, not a message about a person, not a teaching about a person, not even the testimony about a person, but the actual person himself. I remember when we were uh, doing some youth lessons called On Studying the Bible, and we, we were looking at the law. And I think it's in uh, Galatians where Paul says, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, or our, our tutor. Well, that's a terrible English translation. The Greek is pedagogas, pedagogy. Oh, yes, teacher. No, 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 no. That's our modern definition of that word, teacher, tutor. No, that's not the definition in antiquity. In antiquity, all it was was a servant who brought the child from one place, get this, to the place of learning. So Paul says the law was the servant, the testimony was the servant, or he was speaking to those who were born again, to bring us to the place of learning. The place of learning is Christ himself. And I think Noah said, so the law was the big school bus. Yeah. What purpose did it serve? It protected you. It kept you to bring you from where you were in your heart to the place of learning. God has chosen for all humanity, for all mankind, the place, the time, but he's chosen it with purpose. All right? That doesn't change. That's so because God, listen to this, God the Father has chosen the place, the time that serves his purpose, and that place, that time is bound up in his son for the one who's born again. And so, and now you have, what are we looking for? We who are born again. I mean, I know what the world is looking for. I was looking for the same stuff. But what are we who are born again, what are we looking for? And here's, I guess, the telling question. Where are we looking for what we want to find for the born again believer? Are we looking here below on the earth? Or are we, are we looking above? The only way we can look above is if we cry out to the Spirit of God to direct our heart above. Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father draw him. And I believe that is not only for new birth, reality, but for the knowledge of new birth. Right? Because things don't stop after you're born again. No. When you're born again, that's when they begin. It's like, it's like the creation in Genesis. God created the heavens and the earth. There's the creation, which is only a testimony of the new creation who his son is. It doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, let there be light. There you go, the light of the creation. And then he creates these other lights, these testimonies for the time of darkness. Of course, the testimony of the sun to rule the, the natural day. the place, the purpose, and for the believer, it is always, because God created it this way, always and forever will be fulfilled in his son. It is, it is. The, the, the sooner the spirit of the Lord can get that through to us in our hearts, the better. It is. I mean, I, I'm so thankful that, <laughs> because I, I don't know about you guys, but after I lost the crutch of music, I went to a different crutch instead of, get this, I didn't know it at the time. No one told me this at the time. Instead of finding the Lord as my rock, right? Instead of discovering him as my sustenance, as my rock, as my support. See, God created our soul. God created humanity to find everything. Listen to this. Everything that we need to live 
everything that we need to walk, everything that we need to have our being, not only in his son, but as the person of his son. And I know that, that all of us, we all do, if, if we say we don't, we're liars. We, we all substitute stuff, but that stuff is always on the earth. Always is. Always is. And for the believer, it's just another lap around the wilderness. That's all it is. It's another lap around the wilderness. And, you know, I, I think you've heard the saying, uh, the older you get, the more, you know, the, the wiser you get, because it's like you've learned or experience is the perfect teacher. Well, okay, so let's you've, Let's say you've gotten perfect education from experience because you've taken another lap in the wilderness, but guess what? You're still looking, moving, and having your being in the wilderness. And according to Paul, we've not yet begun to truly learn. And one of the things that we will come to learn when the testimony brings our heart to the person is basically this. It is all about Jesus. It is all about a person. It's not about, it's not about this doctrine I learned. It's not about this message I learned. It's, it's not about this lesson I, I learned. It's not about the message I preach. It's not about the message I teach. It's actually what that message, if it is a true message, what that doctrine, if it is a true doctrine, the purpose it serves. And the purpose it serves, if it is indeed of God, from God, is to bring our hearts under the person of his son, the person. I mean, we will never, we will get, we will, as I did at one point, you will get bored with a message. You will get bored with a teaching. You will get bored with a doctrine. If, that is, if that's what it's all about, then you will get bored with it. You'll get bored with it because it wasn't meant to be the end all, remember? That serves a purpose to bring into the person of his son. Remember the big school bus? Get you to the sun where you begin. And I, I thought once when I was first born again, how ignorant I was. I was like, man, well, if it's all about Jesus, because that's, that's what you all, at least for me, when I was born again at the age of 20, that's all I knew. It's, oh, man, it's, Jesus is like real. I mean, I used to remember, I remember used to going to church in, in high school or every once in a while in junior high. But I mean, he's, he's real. Yes, he is real. And once we're born again, we're, we are to continue discovering just how real this person is. In fact, that's exactly what he told uh, Saul on the way to Damascus. Yes, Damascus. He says, this, he says this to him, I have appeared unto thee. I have appeared unto you for this purpose. It's, it's not just I appeared because I can do that. No, no, I appeared, but I appeared with purpose. To make you a minister and a witness, and believe it or not, whether you have a card, a title, you are a minister or a witness. If you're not born again, you who are viewing, you are a minister and a witness. You minister whatever you see. You minister whatever you know. You talk about whatever you're knowing. That's just the way it is. Right? But see, for Saul at the time, it was totally different because the Lord purpose, the purpose of, the, of, of, of creation appeared. The purpose of existence appeared. And he says this, I've appeared unto you to constitute you, to make you a minister and a witness. And he goes on to say this, of this, of the following, of thy seeing me and of thy seeing me hereafter. It's like Jesus spelling it out. I am what it's all about. And you discovering me or me causing you to discover me is what it's all about throughout your whole entire walk not on this earth, no, in Christ. And so for us who are still looking on the earth, even as the children of Israel were in the wilderness, though they had been brought, God said it himself, I think it was like three months after they came out of Egypt, you saw what I did to the Egyptians, how my miracle signs and wonders and while in Egypt and at the Red Sea, you saw what I did to the Egyptians. And he says this, and how that I brought you on eagle's wings unto myself. And see, that's the thing. It's always unto a person. He didn't say, I saved you. And that was it. No, no, no. Salvation is a person. I delivered you. 
No, 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 no. Deliverance is a person, but specifically a person who is where he is. So when you see the two testimony of the, of the angels speaking to the women who come to the tomb of Jesus, looking to find Jesus among the dead. And I say, looking to find Jesus among this natural creation where life is not found. And that's exactly what the angels say. The angels sent of God, the angels of God from above, tell, her, tell them the following, why are you seeking? Why are you looking for the living one the living among the dead. You're not going to find him. He's risen. But it requires a miracle of God to direct our heart above unto where he is. But when that happens, oh, I, I love this. It's just like the testimony. It picks up with the testimony with Joshua. When that happens, now it's like the knowledge, the light of the glory of the, uh, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ uh, fills the soul, you know, even as the Lord told them, the children of Israel who refused it with Moses to go into the land, to refuse to go on, right, serving purpose, he says, look, you guys aren't going in, but he says this, your children, and I love the way he says this, who this day have no knowledge of good or evil, who do not eat of that tree, who are not partaking of that tree, they have found a different source, the tree of life. These will go in. These will continue. I love it. And so <clears throat> everything is drawing the heart above. Everything. Everything. Moment of new birth. Reality. The Lord just, I mean, out of one creation into a new creation above. Out of one condition and state of death and darkness into a new state, a new condition of life, light, glory, and the list goes on and on. But then as, who was it, Stephen, as Stephen had to say this, he said, the children of Israel who who not just came out, but actually who came in. I have brought you unto myself. Stephen says this, of those who were still in the wilderness, their hearts went back to Egypt. They, I mean, it's almost like he, at least in my own heart, I, I believe he said it this way. He could not say, and they went back to Egypt. They said, forget you, Moses, we're going back to Egypt. No, they couldn't do that. They couldn't do that. No man can undo what God has done. New birth requires a miracle of God. Not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man. That means you can't do it. You can't make yourself be born again, just like you couldn't make yourself be born in the natural. It was the will of another. And that's just a minute little testimony of what God has done in his son for the soul that receives his son. We can't undo what he's done. We can't undo. But if we're trying to find purpose in whatever place, at whatever time, as whatever object it is, as whatever source it is, if we're not finding it in the person of his son, then, I mean, I can't tell the future, but I know that it's just a train wreck because we're trying to find purpose in some object, in something other than the eternal object, who is Christ his Son. And sooner or later, that will not satisfy anymore. And to me, that is like, when that begins happening, to me, that's like the timing of the Spirit of God beginning to try to draw our heart above, that we may be eternally satiated with the true living waters, with the true source, with the true fountain of all satisfaction. The one, the one, the one, the only one who will truly satisfy us, the only one who will truly fulfill us, the only one who will truly, the list goes on and on. I, I, I've run out of words. And so <clears throat> the place and the purpose 
and it's always above. I think in the Proverbs, it might be in the King James or the New King James, because that's what I've read the most. It says, the way of the wise, or excuse me, the way of life is upward for the wise. And I love this. To turn him, to turn him away from Sheol below. I mean, two, what are they, prepositions? Above, up, and below. I think they're prepositions. The way of the wise is, excuse me, the way of life is upward for the wise to turn him away from Sheol, the abode of the dead below. Because we will not find what we're looking for. I mean, we will truly not find what we're looking for. We may find something and it may work for a while. And that's the key for a while, regardless of what it is. As I was, as I was mentioning earlier, when the light of the testimony began to shine in my heart, I th- to me, it was, this is it. This is, this is it. <laughs> Almost like a back, a back, back of my mind thought was like, I have arrived. <laughs> but because of that, I was like, I have arrived. I don't need your help anymore, Holy Spirit. We're here. Let's continue here. We're here. Let's continue here. And the Spirit of the Lord is like, you don't know the purpose of the testimony. You don't know the purpose of this natural light. So he, he continues faithful, even though I was not faithful. He continues faithful because after a while, those little glimpses of Jesus in the testimony, they just kind of, yay, like a roller coaster. And then like, hey, they kind of fade out. What, what happened? Yay. And they fade again. And after a while, you're like, something's not right. Something's not right. I'm experiencing, just like the natural earth, a morning, but then that morning goes to darkness. What's up with that? The person is an eternal day. In him there is no darkness. When, by the Spirit of God, our hearts are brought in knowledge. Not the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. No, no, no. In God's knowledge. That's, that, that tree is your natural mind. That's not knowledge. Well, it is knowledge. It's the knowledge of death. That's what it was. Compared to the tree of life, it's the knowledge of death. The knowledge that keeps us down here below. And the Lord knows it. But His Holy Spirit is faithful to draw our hearts above. Always above. With... Uh, passage with Peter is, is beautiful, where I think it's, it's, it's in three accounts of the gospel where Jesus is walking on the water. One of them mentions actually Peter stepping out of the boat and coming to Jesus. And I know, I, I know I've mentioned this, but for the longest time, I thought the miracle was Peter walking on the water, right? I mean, no man can do that. No one can do that. No, the miracle, that wasn't the miracle. The miracle was coming to Jesus, But then why, towards the end of that story, does Jesus say, why did you doubt, O you of little faith? Was it really because Peter began to sink and he cried out to the Lord? Or was it actually because Peter, because at the end of uh, another account of it it in the the gospel, it says they, they didn't understand the loaves and the fishes. And I'm thinking, what do loaves and fishes have to do with walking on water? And that's actually the, the, the story right before that. Right before they get into the boat, right before Jesus walks on water, he feeds 5,000. And they have like 12 baskets left over or something like that. He feeds 5,000, has, has a lot of leftover baskets. All right? Jesus is walking on the water. Once again, the chaos of this world, the chaos of of the ruler of this world, where the ruler of this world reigns, the chaos of Pharaoh, remember? Pharaoh who has a serpent on his head. The serpent, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Thank you. Jesus is above that. He's not found in that. His father is God. His father is his source. And yet at the end, it says they didn't understand about the loaves and the fishes. And I've read, I've read several different historical commentaries, cultural commentaries, and other commentaries. And it kind of makes sense. What they do, they equate Jesus with Moses. You know, Mo, God, 
God gave Moses the manna. Actually, Moses didn't. God gave the manna for his people while they were in the wilderness. He gave them a testimony of heavenly bread while they were in the wilderness so that that testimony would have its perfect work in their hearts and they would find the true bread from heaven above. It's always above. All right? In a different place, I think Jesus said, Moses didn't give you that bread because that's what the people said. Well, what sign are you going to do? Moses gave our fathers bread in the wilderness. Jesus says, Moses didn't give you that bread. My father gave you that bread. And he goes on, I think it, it might be that passage or a different passage. He says, I am the bread of heaven that comes down and gives life to the world. Whoa, there's a testimony they didn't see coming. <clears throat> and so in the Old Testament scriptures, as I, as I mentioned, no one can walk on water. And Jesus indeed walked on water. He wasn't treading, no, he wasn't swimming, no. He walked on water, upon the water. But do you, do you just kind of see it? It's like Moses, the Lord parted the waters for Moses and the body of Israel, and they went through parted waters. Joshua, the Lord parted the waters and they went through parted waters, right? They went on dry ground. That's what it says, on, on the dry land. Reality, knowledge of reality. Pick up with the same picture. Elijah, Elijah yes, Elijah, his mantle, parted the waters of the Jordan for Elisha and him to go outside so that Elisha could come back with the same knowledge that governed Elijah. And you see it when the waters part. And then you hear it from the, the school of the prophets when they come to Elisha. They say, the spirit of Elijah dwells or rests upon Elisha. Elisha could very well say, it is not I, but Elijah. It is not I, but another. There's the knowledge of reality. And so in the Old Testament, I, there, there were several verses, and I'm, I'm not going to look them up right now. They're somewhere in my notes here if you want to look at them. But it talks about how the Lord having his way in the ocean, he, how, he, how he moves upon the ocean, upon the waters. God and God alone does this. Man could not do this. They were, with all these miracle signs and wonders, Jesus was making himself known to be the Messiah, the Son of God. Literally what it is all about. All the miracles, all the signs, all the wonders, all of his teaching, all of his preaching served that purpose to bring others unto him. And I, I love the perfect picture of this with, once again, John the Baptist. Uh, the second time John the Baptist sees Jesus, it says two of his disciples, two of John's disciples were with him. And you see the perfect, beautiful order of it. John, the next day, John sees Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God, apart from sin. And it says, And his two disciples left him to follow Jesus. John the Baptist served the purpose of the Lord in his generation. So the place and the purpose... And as I stated, the Lord will use a natural place. Yes, but it's so much greater than that because the Lord has already chosen the place, the time, the place who is his son, the time who is his son. For all of us who are born again, so that we may truly in our hearts, us who are born again in knowledge, live walk, move, and have our being, I'll say it the way Paul said it, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Though our physical bodies are still walking on this earth because you can't see it. Just as the children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, they couldn't see that the Lord was present, though he was. They couldn't see that they had been brought unto the Lord, though they had. But God gave them testimony time and time and time again. The Lord doesn't, he doesn't give up on us. No, he continues faithful, presenting the testimony of his son, 
that our hearts would finally be prepared and by the Spirit of God turn unto the Lord that the veil that covers our heart, the veil of ignorance, would be removed. And so that's really all I had for this morning. I could go on with different uh, stories of Jesus. And even, even with that, I mean, I love it. Jesus, look at this, Jesus is above the water. Peter sinks below the water. Peter cries out. He, this, is his, this is Peter's cry. Lord, save me. The Lord didn't, the Lord didn't look at Peter and say, see, I told you so. I told you that would happen. He doesn't do that. He knows, he knows that apart from him taking the initiative and doing something, <laughs> we're stuck. Apart from him taking the initiative, he knows we don't have a desire for him. Apart from him taking the uh, initiative and doing a miracle in our heart, he knows we, we can't come to him. We can't. No man can come to me except the Father draw him. But see, it is God's good pleasure to do just that so that he can make that son, his son, a person known. And so when Peter actually cries out for the salvation of the Lord, I love it. It says the Lord reached down, pulled Peter up unto himself. And that was it, unto himself. So why are they, in, why are they on the, 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 the Sea of Galilee? Why are they in a boat? Jesus sent them. It says that if you, if you, read, if you read the passage, it said uh, right after the feeding of the 5,000, it says, and immediately Jesus basically sent his disciples across the sea, across the, the Sea of Galilee. He says, get into a boat, go on to the other side, I'll meet you there. Do you see the place, the time? And not only that, but it was the fourth watch when Jesus was walking on the waters. One commentary says that Jesus was coming from the east, right? The fourth watch is like between three o'clock and six o'clock. And that's when the day is beginning to dawn. I mean, that's when, when, when you see light, but you don't see the sun yet. You, but you see the light, the light coming up. And that's when they saw the Lord. Of course, they didn't recognize who he was. They didn't recognize that he was the Messiah at the time, but that was the whole purpose for doing that. And it might be in the, the Gospel of Matthew where it later says, uh, surely you are the Son of God. And that's the conclusion. But not to say, oh yes, Jesus is the Messiah. No, no, no. There's purpose for acknowledging the Son of God. At least with God the Father there is. Because if you truly, in your heart, acknowledge the Son of God, that means your heart has turned, for the born-again believer, where he has brought you already. Unto himself. Until the day star, the day dawn in our hearts, I think Peter says it some way like that. But it all serves purpose. One great, eternal, perfect purpose of God to come into the person of His Son. So I think any more would just be me rambling. So please present this to the Holy Spirit, our true teacher, because I cannot do what He does. Only He can do what He does. And what He does, He does with purpose. That He would do the will of God in our hearts. Amen.